0: Faith to believe. Say it. Faith to believe. I believe that's where it begins, with our faith. Did you find it? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. That has been the base of Scripture for this faith to believe series. And in it are three elements, hope, confidence, and assurance. And without them, I don't believe you can have faith. And so it made me think about before I was saved. And before I was saved, I had a hope to go to heaven if I died. But the confidence I had of it was the lie, the deception that Satan told me, that because I was a good person, I would get to go to heaven. And the assurance, I really didn't have nothing. I didn't have nothing to back it up to. I didn't have no proof of it. But 32 years ago, when I accepted Christ, and my hope was that if I would die and go to heaven, my confidence was 1 Peter Peter 3.18 that says that Jesus died for my sins. So that's, that's what my hope was. My hope was that I get to go to heaven, and then 1 Peter 3.18 says that Jesus died for my sins. My confidence was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth on him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, the word of God was my confidence. The word of God is the thing I trust. And then my assurance, the assurance, I'm a changed life. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a new person. So I truly believe in it all, there are three Elements of, of, uh, of faith. And, and without faith, we have nothing. And uh, as, as I looked at, at the, uh, the, the uh, titles that uh, Pastor Kurt uh, gave us uh, or gave me anyhow for the, uh, each week and the first week was the visit. And, and I, I saw a comparison in the visit. So in both Mary and Joseph, the Holy Spirit visited them and told them that Mary was going to be inseminated by God. And in our life, God, the Holy Spirit comes and tells us that he'll give us new life when we accept Jesus Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior. So then, the gift. Mary, the Holy Spirit, put, put, put the, uh, the baby Jesus inside of Mary and for all of mankind, And for us, we receive life. So I have life now. I I have a new life. I'm a new person. And the third week was a response. The Mary and Joseph, they put their faith in God and were obedient. And the same thing with us. I've put my faith and my trust in God and I've been obedient to him and his ways. And today, the message is called the pursuit. And and so in a... um, Second, uh, Matthew uh, 2, 1 through 12, the wise men take and they pursue a star in search of the newborn king. And uh, we also, we should be in search of Jesus. We should be in search of Jesus to have him in our life, to lead us and guide us and direct us all the days of our lives. And so this is faith. Faith is confidence, faith is hope, and faith is assurance. And so do you have faith? Do you have the, the kind of faith to, 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 to go somewhere, to, to do something that seems like it's impossible? But the wise men did. And so let's look at uh, Matthew 2, 1, 12, and let's read it. Can you put that up there? It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Here, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all chiefs, priests, and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and oh, you Bethlehem in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country by another way. Now, when I originally wrote this message, I let Sherry read it yesterday and, uh, She said that uh, there's a lot of history there, and so uh, I felt that I was going to give you a history lesson today, and somehow I want to try not to do that. But in that scripture, I see hope, confidence, and assurance. The hope was the star. They saw the star that they knew would lead them to the newborn king. The confidence was, which I'm going to tell you about, is the information they learned from Daniel about the scriptures, about the prophecy of the newborn king. And and the assurance was seeing Jesus. You see, in all and everything we do needs to be faith, faith, Hope, confidence, and assurance. So as Pastor Kirk talked, for, for me, so the, the day that I believed and the day that I heard the word of God being spoken to me, that was the confidence. And the day that the chains fell off me and I was set free and never desired alcohol again, bam. That's when the faith began. Amen. That's when faith began to, was created inside me. And I knew that God was alive and knew that God was real. And I knew that God loved me. And from that time on, I began to trust him for everything in my life. Because I saw my life just change over and over and over. And so I went to the hospital, prayed for a gentleman one time. And when I got there, he said that he had a twisted bow. And I said to him, I said, do you believe God can untwist that bow? And he said, yeah. I said, so let's pray. So I rebuked that bow in the name of Jesus, and I commanded it to be untwisted. And I left him faith and and believing that God could do it. Five minutes down the road, his wife's calling me on the phone saying he's in the bathroom, that his bow's been untwisted. Now, it's not me, but my faith. My faith that my Lord and my Savior can do that. So when uh, Paul Martini was here, and he was teaching about healing, and he had people stand up that needed a healing, and Sherry stood up. We were back there. And I got down, and I laid hands on her feet and she had plantar fasciitis. And I rebuked the plantar fasciitis in the name of Jesus. And I commanded it to go. And I believed that it could happen. And Sherry never said a word until that night. There was three services that day. And he asked anybody who had gotten healed to stand up. And I pop Sherry. And I'm like, you know. <laughs> but Sherry's told him that she had plantar fasciitis and that she could hardly walk. And her husband laid hands and prayed. And she said she didn't say nothing earlier because she wanted to make sure it, was, it really happened. And, and, and that evening, she proclaimed it, that God had healed her. And to this day, Sherry still doesn't have plantar fasciitis. So do you see the elements of hope, of hoping for something, the confidence, the assurance that we know the Word of God says that uh, uh, Jesus can do it, and then the assurance of it actually happened. And then the golf carts. The golf carts was amazing. So we've been growing, and the people have been getting pushed further out of the parking lot to have to park, and they'd have to walk further in and so I said, well, let's use the uh, vans. And the vans are too clunky. They're too hard to get in and out of. And God spoke to me, and he said, golf carts. So I started researching golf carts. I started looking for golf carts and everything. I brought one in to, for a test drive to get you guys ready to, uh, to test it out to see if you might like it. Now, my thought was I was going to stand up here and ask the people who thought it was a great idea and who wanted to sponsor it and donate to it to get our golf carts. And I'd found two golf carts, they're six-seaters, and they cost $10,000. And Pastor Juwan said, did you pray about it? I'm like, no. (laughs) So I began praying. I began asking God to provide us with the money for the golf carts. And my hope was to get these golf carts so that we can take to bring you guys in and make it easier for you to come and go. My faith is that God says that he'll give us the desire of our hearts. The assurance was, bam. Somebody from this church donated $10,000 for those golf courts, and they're here today. And they have provided a great need. We take them off campus for the women galas, for the first responders things. And they have really, we we use them for when we have events over at the uh, rock to shuttle people back and forth across. But faith, you have to believe. You have to have faith. You have to have trust that, that God can do it, and God wants to do it. And so here's the, here's the really cool part. Each and every time he's answered one of my prayers, bam, my faith increased. My faith increased more and more and more. Now, I can tell you, I can tell you this. I have somebody who I've been praying for for a few years now for healing. And it hasn't come yet. Hear what I said? It hasn't come yet. I still have faith that it can happen. Because my God's a good God. So because it hasn't happened, it doesn't discourage me. It doesn't discourage me to give up. I laid my hands on someone here in the uh, a church today and prayed for a healing form because I believe and that's what I want you to take with you when you leave here today I want you to take that if you have a hope if you have a desire if there's something that you want you'll find the answer to it in scripture and if you'll just wait and see If you'll just wait and see, bam, God will bring it to fruition. So, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) So we read uh, uh, Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 12. And uh, the, the five questions in there that I was going to ask you guys are, who were the magi? Why were they there? How did they find Jesus? What did they bring him? And where did they go? And somehow through all those things, I want you to look for those three elements of faith. The hope, the confidence, and the assurance of God working in our lives. So who were the Magi? Now, I'm sure this is the part where Sherry said was a history lesson because I wrote down like two pages worth of uh, information (laughs) dating back the history of uh, where Magi was listed in the Bible. And so if we go all the way back to Moses when uh, he brings the Israelites out of Egypt and then uh, in 1931 and Solomon's rule and bring it up, closer to uh, Daniel, that uh, in Daniel 1, Daniel and his friends were called before King Nebuchadnezzar, and scripture says that the king found them to be wiser and more knowledgeable than all the magicians and enchan- enchanters in his kingdom. So in the Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, it says that Daniel and his friends were wiser than all the magi that were in King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. So the the Magi were very intelligent men. Uh, Many of them were uh, interpreted dreams and uh, they were a part of the king's council and they influenced almost everything that the king did. And uh, then in 1939, the Persians conquered uh, the Israelites and uh, all the way up until uh, uh, 63, uh, uh, Rome is... uh, is in control of the Israelites and they have magi. magi. And uh, I have written here that you may not remember all this, but just remember from the days of Daniel, the prophet until the time of Christ, many empires ruled the land of Israel and they were highly influenced by magi. So these magi that that, that, uh, are listed in the, the scripture are very wise, intelligent men And it also talks about, many of them are astronomers, that they look into the sky nightly, daily, and they study the the skies. And one day, bam, this beautiful star, this beautiful light is in the sky. And then they think back to Daniel, and the prophecy, and the scriptures, and they put it together, And that's when their hope begins. And that's when they begin to follow the star. And so when they follow the star, uh, it says, uh, I I found where it says uh, uh, they traveled 500 miles. Now, me and Sherry, two weeks ago, went out to Indiana for a wedding. And uh, it was about 417 miles one way. And it took us eight hours. And uh, we drove at uh, about 70 miles an hour, which was the speed limit. <laughs> but it took us eight hours. And through hills and valleys and rain and uh, uh, stopped to get gas and, and everything. So can you imagine what it took the, uh, the wise men? It, it didn't take them eight hours. It took them more like two years, and and so for this trip, they really had to prepare. They they had to have enough uh, finances to uh, support them to get them there and to get back. And and so why did they go? They go with the hope of finding the newborn king, and uh, that's what it says in uh, verse two. Uh, saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They've come to worship him. They also remembered uh, the the, uh, prophecy in Malachi 5-2 which uh, uh, says that Jesus will be born in, in Judea. Malachi 5.2 says, They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's the confidence why, why they traveled. That's the reason why they traveled for two years through mountains, mountain ridges, uh, desert, uh, away from their family, uh, to find the newborn king, and and along with it, uh, verse two uh, two uh, talks about Herod. It talks about uh, uh, they they're going to go into enemy territory. Uh, they were Persian uh, uh, magi and they were going into Roman territory. And uh, Herod wasn't too nice of a guy. Uh, there, there's uh, evidence uh, of uh, Herod uh, killed his family members, his wife, his sons. Anyone who was a threat to his kingdom, he killed them. And so here they are. They're, they're going to come trotting into Herod's territory, and they're going to ask, where's the newborn king? And Scripture tells you that uh, that the the Romans had named Herod the king of the Jews back in uh, uh, 40 uh, B.C. before Christ when they put him in control of it. And here they are, they're coming into Herod's territory and asking, where's the newborn king? And I'm sure he didn't like that. I'm sure that he was upset. And it it made me think about, you know, what if uh, the Cleveland Browns would come marching into Pittsburgh and say... Where is the new owner of the Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh Steelers? And Art Rooney, you know, he's not going to be too happy about that. He's going to be shocked. He's like, what? Now, of course, if he was thinking about selling the team, that might be okay. But that's not the case. So they had the fear of uh, coming into uh, a territory where where their lives uh, could be threatened. And so it had to take great faith to walk into the city of the king, uh, uh, who was their enemy, who was ruthless, uh, and to ask where the newborn king of the Jews was. Uh, for, so why do you think they were motivated to take such an, an action? Because of their faith, because of their belief, because of what they had been taught, because they were looking for, for uh, a, a savior, And also it talks about that the, uh, the, the, the people uh, of Jerusalem were also troubled. And they were troubled because of the threat of war. They, they were with uh, the magi coming in and asking for, uh, where's the newborn king? There could also be the threat of, of, of war. So why were they there? The people of uh, Jerusalem thought that there might be the start of war. Verse uh, 2 says, for he saw the star when he rose, and have come to worship him. The Bible says that they came to worship the new king. Now, some uh, commentators think that the wise men were there just to pay homage and respect to the new king. Uh, not in the same sense as we worship him. When we worship God, we worship. our worship is an act of love. It's a demonstration of love. It's, uh we we uh worship God when we serve his people we worship God when we share his word with other people we wor- worship God when we strive to be Christ like and in fact the word worship here has a could have a variety of meaning but i think the word worship is the right word used uh because because uh uh and we'll look back at that later uh, when we look at uh, how they found Jesus. But uh, now when Herod heard their purpose in coming, he, required, he inquired of the religious leaders where the Messiah, the Christ, was to be born. He wanted to know where the king, where they were searching for, could be found. But the interesting thing is he should have already known where the king could be found. He was the ruler of the Israelites. He should have known their customs. He should have known their scriptures. He should have known what they believed. They were waiting for the Savior, the Messiah, their deliverer. He should have known. And uh, if you'll turn to John 7 40, uh, 51. Or you can read it up on the uh, screen. Verse 40 says When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is this the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them. Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does not know him know the law is accused. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. See, in this text, both the Pharisees who were the masters of the law and the common people who were listening to Jesus knew exactly where the Messiah was supposed to be born. They simply weren't aware that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and then grew up in Nazareth. So it's, it was common knowledge that the deliverer of God was to come from the city of David, Bethlehem in Judea. But Herod either doesn't know this for some reason or he simply wants to hear the experts say it because he asks him where the Messiah is supposed to be born. And there's no indication that the scribes even flinched uh, in their answer. It doesn't say that they went to search the scriptures and came back with an answer. And so the Pharisees knew where he was, where he could be found. Everybody knew where he could be found. And Herod knew too. Now remember the kind of man Herod was, how uh, ruthless he was. He murdered his wife and family. There was no way he was going to put up with the Persian Magi marching into his city, threatening his rule by looking for a new king of the Jews, not on his watch. So what does he do? He devises a plan. He calls the Magi back to him. And verse seven says, uh, then Herod Summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what the time had appeared. He called them back to themselves, so no one, with no one else, was around. And the text says he ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. He got the information from him. He found out from what time the star appeared. He made absolutely sure he knew exactly when they saw the thing in the sky. He wasn't taking any chances. This guy was serious about his throne. And when, and when they had given the information, verse eight says, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring, bring me word too that I may go and worship him. He sends the magi to Bethlehem to find the Christ child. And he lies to them. He tells them he wishes to worship him also, but he really doesn't want to worship him. Uh, The story quickly reveals that Herod has no interest in handing over his throne. He has no interest in worshiping anyone. So he devises a plot to get rid of this new threat, a plot that will result in bloodshed. And so how did they find Jesus? Verse 9 says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and the child, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose before them. Until it came to rest over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The star is what led them to Judea. It appeared to them at a point uh, over a Pacific house. Uh, Now, they haven't said much, I haven't said much about the star, but what was the star like? Some people think it was a comet. Others think it was a conjunction of stars and planets that came together in the night sky and lost an extraordinary bright light. I think the star was supernatural light that God put in the sky for the specific purpose of leading the Magi to the birthplace of the king of the Jews. And if that's not scientific enough for you, you have my apologies. But listen to... But listen to what Luke two eighteen to 14 says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that there will be, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, a Savior, who is Christ. The, uh, and, and this will be a sign for you. You will, be, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts and praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, that's to me, that is the com- confirmation that, that God has given us. That, that's coming from the word of God that that, con- con- that was a confirmation to the shepherds that, uh, that they should go and they should seek the newborn king. God's glory shone all around these shepherds and they were afraid. Whenever God uh, shows up in the scripture, it is always revealed as light. In the Old Testament, God's glory filled the tabernacle and the temple. And when Moses went in to speak with God, he came out with his face glowing. When Jesus is transfigured on the mountain in front of Peter, James, and John, his face shone like the sun and his clothes become as white as light. And in Revelation 22, 4, we are told that in heaven, there will be no light from the sun because we won't need it because God himself is light. So God has no problem producing light. And if the Magi saw this light in the sky, they would naturally have called it a star. I think that the text supports uh, how they found Jesus. And the first reason is because the wise men were there in the first place. And so you ask, well, what do you mean by that? And the Magi were probably experts in astrology. They knew the night sky very well. They gazed into it and studied it nightly. They traveled across the desert into Roman territory simply because of a special display in the heavens that they probably uh, could have predicted anyhow. Uh, there had to be something particularly uh, particular about this star. I think it was unlike anything they had ever seen before. But uh, let's think about it a little more. Uh, how in the world did they know that this supernatural star had anything to do with the king of Jews? And again, if you look at verse 2, it says, they had seen his star and had come to worship him. So again, the, the scriptures, the star was their hope. The, the scriptures was, it was about him, the king of the Jews. So that was their their confidence. I think the Magi were at the very least familiar with Jewish prophecy, and I think they had studied Jewish scriptures that uh, conveyed to them uh, way, back, way back in the time of Daniel. In fact, Daniel 5, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had made Daniel the chief of magicians, enchanters, uh, and uh, astrologers. Daniel was the head magi. He was the chief wise man, and he had a similar position uh, when the Persians took over. So there's no doubt in my mind knowing the kind of person Daniel was that he shared the truth of the scriptures with the Magi who were under him. And evidently some of the truth continued on until Christ was born and there was a group of Magi in the Perithian Empire who knew the Jews expected a Messiah to come from God when they saw this strange star in the sky. And so again, the confirmation was the scriptures that uh, was passed down from Daniel. Numbers 24 and 17 says, I've seen him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Jesus. The scriptures, again, pointing to that Jesus will be coming soon. And these wise men put all, all their knowledge together about the Jewish Messiah, and they were compelled to follow the star to the west and find the king that its appearing had been announced and the second reason I think this star was a supernatural occurrence is when it appears to the wise men as they head for Bethlehem it came to rest over a Pacific house where Jesus was. Now some people try to say that whatever the star simply appeared to the point to the way, uh, to the way of Jesus's location, I don't think uh, that's necessary. Uh, Whatever this thing was, it was particular enough to draw the Magi across the desert into enemy territory. It disappears and then it reappears as they are heading to Bethlehem and it rests over the house where Jesus is. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to call that a supernatural star from the hand of God. So how did they find Jesus? They followed a star. They followed a supernatural light in in the sky, because of their knowledge of Jewish uh, prophecy. They knew that it was a sign that the king of the Jews had been born and they were they were seeking to worship him, not only to pay homage to a king, but to bow down before the king of the Jews. And so they arrived at the house where Jesus is. The shepherds are not there any, anymore. They had already come and gone. Jesus was no longer in the manger; he was in a house. Uh, I love the nativity scene just as much as you, but the shepherds and the wise, uh, but the shepherds and the wise men, men were weren't there at the same time. The shepherds had already visited, and Mary and Joseph had already been to the temple in Jerusalem, and now they're back in Bethlehem, preparing to head home to Nazareth. So let's answer uh, question number four: What did the Magi bring to Jesus? The Bible says they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And many people have found symbolic meaning in these uh, gifts. Gold for Christ's royalty, frankincense for his divinity, and myrrh for his sacrificial death. Uh, They find this, of course, because gold is almost always associated with royalty. Incense was used in the worship of God, and perfume was uh, used in burial. Such a symbolism does add some cleverness to his to story, but it is probably that uh, these wise men were simply giving expensive gifts to the newborn king. Uh, all three of these items were common gifts for wealthy people, but they knew that he was a ruler of the Jews prophesied of old, so they brought him gifts fit for a ruler, and these gifts probably financed the young family's trip to Egypt be, re, before returning to Nazareth. So where'd they go? They went. They went home. It's uh, as simple as that. They went back to their homeland in the east. But that's. That, but what's notable about their return is they did not return by the by the way Herod requested. They went by another way. They had been warned in a dream that something was not right with Herod. So they decided to return to not not to return to him and tell him where Jesus is. And this would. Uh, stir up uh, uh, Herod's wrath, and they would fear that uh, he would kill them for not obeying him. But they, but they were guided by faith uh, in a dream. So in conclusion in all of this, uh, there, there are several points I want to highlight. First, the wise men, even if uh, they were familiar with Jews, Jewish prophecy, and even if by some chance they had converted to Jude, Judaism, they were not ethnic Jews. They were, they were Gentiles. They were like you and I. They didn't believe the scriptures. They didn't follow the scriptures. The second story of is, is uh, this story is the people who should have uh, been waiting on the Messiah totally uh, missed his coming. All of the righteous experts in uh, Jerusalem were callous to the fact that the Son of God had just been born six miles south and God brings Gentile men from another country in pursuit of worshiping this newborn king. So the question I have for you, uh, for all of us, will we be like the religious leaders or will we be like the, the, uh, the wise men? Will you completely miss the magnitude of this season and the, uh, the event it celebrates? Or will you come like the Magi saying, I have come to worship him? Have you come in pursuit of Jesus, the one true king? Have you come to bow down before him and give him your gifts, gifts of praise, gifts of honor, gifts of glory that only he deserves, gifts of love, gifts to serve him, gifts to obey his commands? It's time to examine our hearts and ask ourselves if we are wise men and if we are in search of the newborn king, do you love him enough to tell others about Jesus? Do you trust the Messiah enough to follow his star? Do you seek spiritual growth from the Lord more than you seek comfort from the world? We do this all by faith faith is trust, believing even if you cannot see it in the natural. So it's all about faith. It's all about that thing that ignited and started in your heart when you first accepted Jesus Christ, since your heart is your Lord and Savior. Or there could be someone here today that hasn't done that yet. And so they really don't have no faith. They're just stumbling around in this world, not worrying where to go or what to do or why to do it. So I feel the the purpose of this message today is for one, for those who don't have faith, to get the faith, and two, for who those who have faith, for their faith to be increased and to grow and to mature, and to be used for the glory of God. So I'd just like to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes right now. And I just want to take the opportunity that if there's anybody here today they have never accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior, that they've never taken the opportunity for faith to ignite in their heart, for faith to begin to grow, for them to begin to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just open your eyes and look up and raise your hand and and that is an acknowledgement that you are a child of God, that you know where you're going uh, when you expire from this earth. This message today encouraged you for your faith to grow I hope that it encourages you that you see these wise men that traveled all these hundreds of miles to worship a king that they followed a star that they heard Jewish prophecy that they believed that there was come one coming that was going to deliver them They didn't necessarily know that they was going to be forgiven of their sins. But they knew one was coming to deliver them. We know today that Christ came to deliver us of our sins. And he wants to work in your life. He wants to take what has ignited, what has started, and he wants it to grow. He wants you to never be afraid to lay your hands on someone and pray for healing. He wants you to never be afraid to lay your hands on someone and pray for a marriage to be restored. He wants you to be afraid to lay your hands on and to go out into the world and you see someone and if God gives you a word for them, that you'll go up and you'll speak it to them. And how's it happen? You have to say, yes, Lord, yes. You have to enact That hope of what you want will begin. The confidence of knowing that Christ has given you the power to do it. And then bam, when you see it come to fruition, that's what makes it all worth it while. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, present Jesus, Lord, we just thank you right now, Lord, that you love us so much. You came to earth. You died on the cross for us so we could be redeemed. We could be restored back to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for each and every person here today. I thank you, Lord, for those watching, Lord, to already know you as their Lord and Savior, that they have faith that it's already inside them, Lord. And I just pray now, Lord, that you would help it to grow, Lord, I just pray, Lord, each and every time, Lord, that they step out, that they're obedient, that, that, that they do what you ask them to do, that when they see come to a wish, Lord, that their faith grows stronger and stronger and stronger, Lord. Lord, we just thank you and praise you and glorify you. We love you, Lord, for what you've done for us, Lord. And so I just pray, Lord, that you come now, Lord, fill us, Lord. Fill each and every one of us, Lord, with the faith that we need, Lord, to do everything you ask us to do, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you'll give us the faith that we need, Lord, that that we can uh, know when we lay our heads down on our pillow at night that you're saying, well done, good and faithful servants, Lord. I just pray, Lord, each and every one of us will have the desire that they'll have the hope, Lord, to be used by you that we'll step out, Lord, that we'll we'll step out of our boat, out of our comfort comfort zones and and do the things that that you're calling us to do, to be that light, to be that witness in the world for you, Lord, in the hopes that many, many more will come and join the fold as children of yours, Lord. So, Lord, we just thank you today. We praise you today. We glorify you today, Lord. And we ask us all in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.